we are living in exciting times. And let, let, me, let me, instead of preaching, just let me start right here. Uh, did I tell you to turn to Matthew 24? As we, as, as we start the message, pick back up, and as I try to review just really, really quickly. If you remember last week, I made mention of Psalm 83. We may go there tonight for a few minutes. I've got a lot of Scripture I'd like to read, but I don't know if we've got time to do it. So take good notes, download the message, listen to it again. Have any questions, I'll try to, I'll try to help you understand what little bit I can. I'd like to dig in this a whole lot deeper than what we're going to be able to. But last week, I made mention of Psalm 83. I mentioned this again this morning. And when I get done with this statement, hopefully you can understand why I'm doing it again for clarification. I told you last Sunday that I believe that chapter 83, turn there if you don't care, not chapter, but Psalm 83, was fulfilled historically under David and under Solomon as they were expanding the kingdom, and let me give you my rationale as to why. When we look at, at, at uh, Psalm 83, and we begin to look at who uh, are mentioned in here as far as nations, beginning in verse 6, we'll, get, we'll do that when everybody gets there. We need to pay attention to particulars when we read Psalm 86 and say Ezekiel 35, when it lists a, a number of nations that will follow a Russian-led war against Israel, and in reality to be against God because it's going to be a supernatural war that God uh, will defeat Putin and, and all of the uh, Muslims' nations that follow him on the mountains of Israel. That's what the Word of God says. So we've got to pay attention to the particulars of this. In, in Psalm 83, verse 6, 7, and 8, the Bible says the tabernacles of Edom. Let me back up and get the latter part of verse 5. They are confederate against thee, speaking of Israel. And the confederates are the tabernacles of Edom and the Ishmaelites of, Mo Ishmaelites and of Moab and the Hagarenes. The Hagarenes are no longer a nation. They no longer exist. Jebel, I don't think they do. Ammon, Amalek, the Philistines, they're no more. And the inhabitants of Tyre, Asher also is joined unto them. They have hoping the children of Lot. Now these nations at the time of David and Solomon touched the border of Israel. They surrounded them on the north and the east and the south. They're no longer in existence. So we're going to pay attention to that. And here's the deal. If this war that Israel is currently in with Hamas, which touches Israel on the north in Lebanon, on the west with Gaza, and on the northeast with Syria, not with Jordan, not with Saudi Arabia, right? that's not all of the nations surrounding them touching. Listen, if this is that war, like we read about it here in Psalm 83, where those nations are obliterated, and that's possible, then that will open up the door for the first war of Gog and Magog, Ezekiel chapter 38 and 39, and we'll get there. Is everybody all right with that? All right, so let's pray. Father, we're thankful tonight for the privilege of being in this place. What an exciting time that it is. Lord, look, we could be going home just, just soon. We're longing for that day. We're planning for that day. We're ready for that day, but, Father, not near enough are. And we want people to be saved. We want to tell them that Jesus is coming and they can be ready if they choose. If there be anybody looking on, listening in, or in this place, God, tonight, that doesn't know for sure that when they die they're going to heaven, may this be the day, the hour, that they trust Christ as their Savior. Thank you for the Word of God, how that you've recorded it, preserved it for us. Help us, help me to rightly divide it, and help us to accept it as it is. And we'll praise you, we'll glorify you for it. We ask it in the name that's above every name, the name of Jesus, your Son, our Savior, and all of God's people said amen. Matthew chapter 20, chapter 24. And I'm not going to read beginning with verse 37 in chapter 3 down to chapter 24, verse uh, 6 and 7 and 8, but I'm going to start there, verse 6 of chapter 24, for time's sake. And uh, we'll go from there. 
And Jesus was telling Peter, James, John, and Andrew, and hence us, what is going to happen in the last days, now listen to this, of the nation of Israel. By this time, the church is going to be gone. Everybody heard me say that, say amen. We're going to leave out of here before all of this happens. Now, it may be, it may be, and I, I even doubt that, it may be that we'll be here when the war of Ezekiel 38 and 39 starts. I really doubt that. But this war that we're in may be the war that is the cursor to Ezekiel 38 and 39. If you understand it, if I'm clear, shake your little heads. Now that's important and that's exciting. Can, can you imagine, folks, if this is that war, just how close our homecoming is? Whoop! Man, I've longed for that day. I've waited on that day. I've looked for that day. I've preached about that day time and time again. And I don't know about y'all, but I'm glad I can look for a hole, in the, a hole in the air, not one in the ground. Amen. He said in verse 6, I've got more to tell y'all and I've got sense to tell you with. And you shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you be not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. Wars and rumors of them, we've always had wars. Somebody figured out that in the uh, age that that man has been on planet Earth, there's only been something like 250 years when there has been no wars at all. That's not much time. That's pretty amazing, is it not? And it goes on to say, For nation shall rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There shall be famines, pestilence, and earthquakes in divers places. These are the beginning of sorrow. So we're talking about two wars, Israel's and America's. Now, we know about both of these. We're seeing one of them being carried out in our own mind. Remember what I, this morning brought me back to this for the leadership of the Spirit? Benjamin Netanyahu, is a, who is the prime minister of the nation of Israel, said after Hamas attacked them, we are going to change the face of the Middle East. And if they wipe out Hezbollah, if they wipe out Hamas, if they wipe out these nations and they're allowing all of these terrorists in, it's going to change the face of the Middle East. And it will be, I believe, that precursive war that gives, now here's the key point. When y'all go home, you got to read, reread, and reread again, chapter 38 and 39 of the book of Ezekiel. It'll, it'll bring what Ezekiel said, a time when Israel will dwell safely in unwalled cities. Y'all get that? Now that's an important key point. So, we've already looked at the first war. And that war, let me, let me give you the title of it, is known as the War of Annihilation. The War of Annihilation, meaning that the connecting neighbors of Israel are going to be wiped out. They'll no longer be a threat. They may be there in the land and property, but they're not going to be a threat to the nation of Israel anymore. Wouldn't that be a glad day? Now, presently, Jordan has a treaty with Israel. So does Egypt, and Saudi Arabia is very friendly with them. So those three nations aren't a part of this. So look, there's exciting things happening. Go to the book of Ezekiel chapter 38 and uh, keep a finger there. It's right before the book of Daniel, right after the book of Lamentations. Now, there's so much in here to unpack. I'm not going to try to unpack much of it. I'm simply going to read what uh, God is going to do. And this war, this war is, is the, now get this, is the first war of Gog and Magog. There are two Gog and Magog wars. Everybody heard me say that, say amen. This is the first of the two Gog and Magog wars. And those that participate in both of these battles are different. In chapter 38, 39 of the Ezekiel, it is a Russian-led confederate of Muslim nations. Y'all got that? It is a Russian-led coalition of Muslim nations. 
Now, a few years back, how many of you remember when they said, the bear is dead under, under Ronald Reagan. Gorbachev, tear that wall down. Y'all remember that? I never forget that. The Lord spoke to my heart and said, the bear's not dead. He just hibernated. I told people that. I preached that. I said, Russia's not dead. They're just, he, he, the bear's just hibernating. And they said, how do you know? I said, I've read Ezekiel 38 and 39. It's going to happen. Whether we understand it or not, it's going to happen. A few years ago, Russia and the Muslims, these Arabic nations were not friendly. Now Russia is supplying them with weapons. They are supplying uh, Russia with money, and they're all happy, happy, happy. And this is going to be a, in many ways, I won't even make a reference to it as a supernatural war. Because Israel's not going to fight it. See, but I'm, I'm about to flatfoot this pulpit, but God sure is. Thank God. Amen. 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 Now look, chapter 38, beginning with verse uh, 1 of the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, set thy face against Gog, the land of Magog. That is a prince and his people. That's what Gog and Magog means a prince and a land. The chief prince of, uh oh, Meshach. That's, I don't have time to go through the etymology of how Russia and Moscow got their names, but Meshach sounds a lot like Moscow when you begin to think about it and put it together. And Tubal, and prophesy against him. And say, thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I am against thee, O Gog, the chief prince of Meshach and Tubal, and I will turn thee back and put hooks in thy jaws. And I will bring thee forth and all thine armies, horses and horsemen, all of them clothed with all sorts of armor, even a great company with bucklers and shields and all of them handling swords. Now here's the list. Persia, which is Iran. I wish I could tell you when they changed their name back in the 40s, I think maybe. Was that when it was, Steve? They changed from Persia to Iran. Libya with them, all of them with shields and helmet. Gomer and all of his bands, the house of Togomer, of the north quarters and all of his bands and many people with them. Be thou prepared and prepare for thyself, thou and all the company that are assembled unto thee and be thou a guard unto them. Now listen to this. And many days shall thou be visited in the latter years. Did you get that? Mark that if you mark your Bible. This is going to happen in the latter years. And let me make a statement. I don't have time to explain it and bear it out and take you through the scriptures to prove it. But the Word of God talks about the last days or the latter days for the church and the last days or the latter days for the nation of Israel. If you got that, say amen. So that's why Paul told us, 2 Timothy 2, 15, study to shew thyself approved a workman that needed not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of God. You got to dig in. You got to roll your sleeves up. You got to pay attention to what's being said. He goes on to say in verse 8, Thou shalt come into the land that is brought back with the sword and is gathered out of many people against the mountains of Israel, which have been always waste, but it is brought forth out of the nations, and they shall dwell safely, all of them. If you read chapter 37 of the book of Ezekiel, you'll find the valley of dry bones, which is a picture of Israel, as they have been buried in the nation, 70 nations, because that the house of Israel and the city of Jerusalem is left unto them. What's the word? Desolate. You remember what I preached this morning? Chapter 23, verse 37, 38. When they in the diaspora, or the scattering of the Jews through all the world, they were buried in essence among the nations. And you know what? That's amazing. You know what God did in doing that? He ensured that he would preserve his people. Tremendous. Tremendous stuff. Tremendous stuff. So he's referring to the nation of Israel that has been gathered back out of the nation. And let me tell you this. Ezekiel 37, the Valley of Dry Bones picture is a progressive prophecy. 
It doesn't happen all at once. 1948, it began. And since that time, the population of Israel with Jews has grown to the current largest number that it is, 7 million Jews in Israel with 26 left in New York. Everybody look up here. Everybody look up here. Let me tell you all why America exists as a nation. Let me tell you why God founded this nation in the beginning to give the nation of Israel, his people, the Jews, that had been run out of every other nation in the world at that time, a safe harbor. It's exactly right. That is it. And because we have blessed Israel, God has blessed us. No, no accident that America is the richest and the greatest nation on the footstool of God. Say amen right there. Thank God I'm an American. Thank God I'm an American. And don't you stand up and say, well, I could have been born anywhere in the world. No, you couldn't. No, you couldn't. If you could, God would have put you somewhere else. You're right where you are supposed to be. Say amen to that. Amen. You ought to be thankful for it. This house ought to be full tonight. Can I tell you that? Not because I'm preaching, but what I am preaching. Share this message with people. Share this message with people too. Look here in verse uh, look here in verse 15. And thou shalt come from the uh, place out of the north part. Thou and many people with thee, talking now to Gog and Magog, all of them riding horses, a great company, and a mighty army. It goes on in verse 16 to say in the latter days. I picked that verse to tell you this. Listen now. When the Word of God refers to north, south, east, and west, he's not using Dun Dunbar as a place of reference. He's using Jerusalem. And if you put your finger on Jerusalem on a map and go straight north, it's almost straight up that you'll run into what nation and what capital? Could you guess? Russia and Moscow. Y'all, listen, this is not an accident. Now, they're going to come against them. Turn a, I've got to turn a page, and I hope I find it really, really easy. In, in, in verse 22 of chapter 38, and this is what God's going to do. Let me get verse 21. And I will call for a sword against him, talking about Russia and that Muslim-led coalition. Throughout all my mountains, saith the Lord God, every man's sword shall be against his brother. They'll head down to kill uh, Israel and the Jews. You know what happened on the way? God's done this before in other wars that he has intervened in for Israel. And he begins to confuse the people like he did with that bunch of, uh, um, uh, who was it, with Gideon that filled the valley. What was their names? What? Say it loud enough for me to hear. Midianites, thank you. Now, how, you remember how they did that? I mean, you know when they broke the pitchers and sounded the trumpets and the lights were lit, they all went crazy and began to take swords and just chew anybody. They killed themselves. God's going to do that again. Look at what else he's going to do, verse 22. And I will plead against him with pestilence, with blood. I will rain upon him and upon his bands and upon the many people that are with him and overflowing rain, great hailstones, fire and brimstone and dust will I magnify and sanctify myself. And I will be known in the eyes of many nations and they, they shall know that I am the Lord. Let me just make a comment on that last verse. Listen, God's going to be known as God one of these days. I say glory, hallelujah. Uh, you, you know, let, me, let me tell you how I've grown over the years in relationship to Jesus coming. When I first got saved, I didn't want him to come too quick. I wanted to have babies. And I wanted to love on my wife and grow old with her. Well, after a while, I began to look out and see how bad the world was, and I thought, Lord, I'm going to sing that song, Come, sweet Jesus, you know. Come quickly, sweet Jesus. Pray the prayer of John, even so. Come, Lord Jesus, because I was tired and sick of this place. All the sin, all the dead, I got tired of it. See, it was all about me. And you know what? When I look at it now, I say, Lord, I want you to come sooner the better, and here's why. I want you to be vindicated. It's not about me. Did y'all get that? It's not about me. Lord, I want them to see you for who you are and what 
you are. Now, you got to read the rest of this tonight. you got to go get it. But here's the second war. The first war is the war of annihilation. The second is the first battle of Gog Magog. I refer to it as the supernatural war. Number three, Revelation chapter 6, it is the conventional war of the tribulation. It is the opening war of the tribulation. They call it the conventional war. You say, why? Because it's, it is fought in a conventional way. When the first seal of that seven-sealed book, which I believe is the title deed, that, that the lamb and the lion took out of him, uh, the hand of him that sat on the throne, Revelation chapter 5, when he broke the first seal, we see Antichrist come on the scene. Now, Antichrist is not going to be revealed until after the church is gone. If y'all understand that, say amen. I believe personally he's on planet Earth. I believe he's involved in politics, geo or global politics. I believe he's now on planet Earth working and doing all that he can to set up uh, his day of rule and reign. And there will be a day, and we're close to it, when like Dr. Sport in the UN, United Nations, you know what UN really stands for? Not necessary. Uh, when Sport, the first president of the UN said, give us a man that will lead us and, and do this and that, whether he be man or the devil, and we will follow him. That is recorded history. The world is getting in shape, friend, to where they will accept any man that will bring them peace and prosperity and whatever to get us out of this mess that we are in. It's good stuff, isn't it? It's good stuff. Not because I'm preaching it. Don't take that wrong. It's just good stuff. Well, when the first seal is broken, that first white horse rider has a bow but no heirs. He's not the Christ. We see the Christ. We'll see him in a minute in Revelation 19. He is the Antichrist. He comes forth to conquer. And you know how he does it? It begins peaceably. I don't have time to show you how that when he, the Antichrist, whomever he may be, signs a seven-year, seven-year, y'all got that? Peace treaty with the nation of Israel, the tribulation onsets. But the rapture, I believe, will happen at least three years before that. I don't have time to even mention why, but I can sometime. I already have, in fact. Well, you'll see the war. You'll see the progression of the different horses, okay? The different horses to where we get down to verse 7. We looked in verse 7, over the fourth seal. I heard the voice of the fourth beast saying, Come and see. And I looked, and behold, a pale horse. His name that sat on him was death, and hell followed. Death and the grave. That's exactly what hell means, the grave. And he said, was given unto him power over the fourth part of the earth to kill with sword, with hunger, with death, and with the beasts of the earth. I told folks here today, listen, if I were you and I was lost, I'd get saved. This is real stuff. And you could wake up in the morning, the church's gone, and you would be left behind. And it wouldn't do you any good to come down there and knock on this door. I'll even leave you my keys, but it won't help you. The Bible tells us that if you have heard a clear presentation of the gospel, this is the way I understand 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. If you understand a clear, if you, if you receive a clear presentation of the gospel in this life and you refuse Christ as your Savior, you reject him, you know what? You'll live long enough to believe a lie and be damned. Boy, isn't that hard? But I'm telling you what, friend, you're rejecting all that God has done in dying for you. That's hard too. Amen. So I'm not going to spend any more time on that, the conventional war. Now I want you to notice the population of planet Earth will be reduced by one quarter. Y'all get that? Chapter 8 of the Revelation. This war, I believe, is a nuclear war. We all wonder about that. Put your finger there in, in uh, Revelation chapter 8 and turn with me quickly back to Zechariah 14. The last book of the Old Testament is Malachi, as we say around here, or Malachi. The next one to the left of it is Zechariah. I want you to look with me at verse 14. Verse 14 of chapter, verse 12 of chapter 14, excuse me, I believe it is. I've got to catch up with it now and find it myself. Yeah, there it is. 
verse 12 of chapter 14. Now watch this. And this shall be the plague wherewith the Lord will smite all the people that have fought against Jerusalem. Their flesh shall consume away while they stand upon their feet. Their eyes shall consume away in their holes and their tongues shall consume away in their mouth. Wow. I mean, to tell you, the Word of God is amazing. Now, I don't know for sure if that's nuclear war, but let me tell you what I do think. It sounds a lot like nuclear war to me. I mean, it's amazing the power that man has uh, to really to do great destruction on himself. What do I want to read out of this? Let me look and see. In chap- back over in Revelation uh, chapter 8, what verses do I want? Look at verse 16, I believe it is. No, it don't even, chapter 8 doesn't even have a, a verse 16. It's verse 11, excuse me. This is connected. You've got to realize I've been reading a lot of chapter and verse, okay? Look at, look at verse 11. This goes back with what Zechariah said. Look at what he said in verse 11 of chapter 8. Boy, I hope I've got the right place. Have I? No. Hold on. Golly, Ned. Ah, there it is. Chapter 16. Chapter 16, verse, verse 8. Verse, uh, no, not verse 8. Well, hold on. I'm looking for the word sores in there. There, verse 11. Thank you. Chapter 16, verse 11. And I'm going to pick it up in, 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 uh, in verse 8 and read down through. Take the time of the fourth angel, poured out his vial upon the sun. By the way, the vials are the last of the plagues that God is going to bring on planet earth. And uh, he, power was given to him to scorch men with fire. Men were scorched with great heat, blasphemed the name of God, which had power over the plagues. And they repented not to give him glory. And the fifth angel poured out his vial upon the seat of the beast, and his kingdom was full of darkness. And they gnawed their tongues for pain and blasphemed the God of heaven. Now watch this, because of their pain and their sores and repented not of their deeds. Y'all know what, y'all know what great radiation and nuclear power does? It, it causes sores on them. If you're not killed by it, if you're in the proximity of it and you live, you're going to have sores all over your body. I mean, isn't this scary? But you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go sleep like a baby. I don't have to worry about it. I'm not here. You all read all these now. You, 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 all, you all dig me out. Look at chapter 12 of the book of Revelation. Here is the war in heaven. War between the angels. If you allow me to name it that. It is the wars of heaven. Chapter 12, everybody, and 13 are transitional chapters in this book. Chapter, chapter 6 to chapter 11 are the first three and a half years of the seven years of the tribulation. 1,260 days, 40 and two months, three and a half years. And at this midpoint, the Bible bears this out in in the book of Daniel and other places, that the Antichrist will break his nation of Israel. He'll break it. He will break that covenant with them. Listen to what the Word of God says here. See, see why I say I'm leaving more out. I've got more to take home than I have to give you all tonight. You all do understand that, don't you? Um, let's pick it up in verse 1. I don't know what time I started, so I'm not going to worry what time I start. There appeared a great wonder in heaven. A woman clothed with the sun, and the moon was under her feet, and upon her head was a crown of 12, 12 stars. That's a picture of the nation of Israel. Okay, don't have time to prove that or bear that out. And she, uh, being with child, cried, travailing in pain to be delivered. And there appeared another wonder in heaven. And behold, and we can all figure out who this is, a great red dragon having seven horns, ten having seven heads, ten horns, seven crowns upon his head. And his tail drew the third part of the stars of heaven, did cast him to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman, was ready uh, to that was ready to be delivered for to devour her child as soon as it was born. 
Satan tried to do that after Jesus was birthed. When, when Herod sent a bunch of uh, soldiers to uh, Bethlehem, Judea to kill all the male children of that little town from two years old and down. Are y'all, are y'all with me? Everybody's got, I know you know that. It's a picture of Israel giving birth, the Messiah being brought into this world, our Savior, Jesus Christ. And she brought forth the man-child who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron. Her child was caught up unto God to his throne. The woman fled into the wilderness. And we'll talk more about that in a little bit, just a couple of minutes, actually, where she had a place prepared of God that they should feed her there a thousand two hundred and three score days. That is three and a half years. That's a reference to the last three and a half years of the tribulation. That's the 40 and two months. You put the first three and a half, the last three and a half, you got Daniel's 70th week or the 70th week of years of prophecy. Y'all not overwhelmed or lost? Everybody good? Most everybody good? Y'all be kind enough to say, yeah. I told you this is a lot of info, but we'll get through it. We, we will get through it. Look here in verse 7. And there was war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon fought against his angels. Let me tell you all something I've got personal convictions on. The Bible only read about one archangel. Guess whose name he is? Mike in the book of Daniel seems to be a protector of the nation of Israel. Y'all got that? I don't read about archangels. I read about a an archangel. There may be more, but I'm going to stick with this book. So he stood up, fought. Listen, do y'all know there are wars going on around us in the heavenly right now? Tell you the book of Daniel and prove it to you. Man, I'm telling you what, there are battles going on everywhere. And I'll get to Irish here in America just in a minute. I'm getting closer with every verse of Scripture that I read. And you know what's going to happen here? You know, you know what happened to Satan? And Satan in verse uh, 9, of the great dragon, or Satan, the serpent called the devil and Satan, which deceiveth the world. He was cast out in the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. Wow. I remember when Jesus said, I beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven. Let me give you two things on this. A lot of theologians think I may be wrong. But I know it's talking about the first time he was cast out of heaven. When he rose up in rebellion in eternity past to try to overthrow God, he was cast out. Today, he's the prince of the power of the earth, the God of this world, the word of God says. And he has power. Everybody knows that? Say amen. He doesn't have all power, though, thank God. And I believe that there's a double fulfillment to that verse in the book of Luke 11, I believe that's where it's at, maybe, maybe 17 and 11. I believe that Jesus says, I not only saw him cast out, but I saw him cast out for the last time, prophetically looking ahead to the future. I can see that being true in both ways. I'm overwhelmed. I don't know about whether you are or not. And you know what happened? This is when the third woe is fulfilled. Woe unto the inhabitants of the earth, for the accused of the brother is cast down. And listen to this remarkable verse. And he knoweth he hath but a short time. Can I tell you, even to this day, as smart as the devil is, and he's intelligent, everybody says, understand that, say amen. You don't want to fool with him. You don't want to fool with him without the help and the presence of Almighty God. He can't rightly divide the scripture, and he doesn't understand it spiritually. That's important. But he knows the book. He knows the book. And you know what? When that happens, he's going to do his best to destroy the Jews and the saints, meaning the people that get saved in the tribulation, and there's going to be a multitude. But are y'all ready for this? You, You know what God has done? Read with me. Read with me. In verse 13, 14, when the dragon that was... That, that was cast out in the earth. He, per, he persecuted the woman which brought forth the man-child. There's no doubt it's talking about a nation of Israel. And the woman was given two wings of a great eagle that he might fly into the wilderness into her place uh, where she is nourished for time and times and half a time from the face of the earth. And the serpent cast out his mouth waters of flood after the woman that he might caused her to be carried away with the flood and the earth helped the woman and the earth opened her mouth, swatted up the flood of the dragon, cast out of his mouth. Three and a half years. 
They're going to be supernaturally protected by God. Now, let me tell you something. I can't remember where this at in Scripture, and God forgive me for not looking it up. Most theologians believe that during that period of time, the nation of Israel is going to go to a place called uh, Petra. Thank you. It's in the area of Basra. I've been to Petra. It's a marvelous place. It was a Nabataean city. And you can keep thousands of people there. It's open. But you know what God's not going to let Satan do? He's not going to let him go to Jordan through that time. He can have access to all the world. But God's not going to let him go to Jordan. Now, do you all think that's a coincidence? Ain't no way, dude. Ain't, isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing? Are you all still good? Okay. All right. Let's go to verse, um, let's go to Revelation 13. And this is the war that I just mentioned against the saints. I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to say any more about that except this. According to the book of, of Zechariah, I'm trying to whittle this down, trying to get the last of this message. If you go to Zechariah chapter 13 and 8, now look, this, this saddens me. During the World War II, when Hitler annihilated six million Jews. It's pretty amazing, is it not? Do you know what's going to happen to the Jews during this, during this time? Chapter 13, you can read it. The population, the Jewish population is going to be reduced by two-thirds. That breaks my heart. That's what the Word of God says. That's what Zechariah 13, 8 says. It'll be reduced two-thirds. Let's pick up another one. I want to cry over that. Can I tell y'all, I'm going to throw something to you. How many of y'all heard of the battle of Armageddon? Say amen. It's not going to be a battle. Whoop! It's not going to be a battle. It just ain't going to happen. Now, what's going to happen is going to happen in the valley of Armageddon, which is the valley of Jezreel, a beautiful valley, south of Mount Carmel, north of, of uh, Mount, um, not Nebo, yeah, Mount ne no, Mount Tabor, uh, just a little bit to the east of, of, of the mountains of Gilead. It's a beautiful, beautiful, everybody's been to Israel and says it's a beautiful valley, say amen. Beautiful valley. There was a guy by the name of, uh, uh, who's that little short guy that, that whipped up on France? Yet Napoleon said, it's, it's the greatest natural battlefield that I've ever laid my eyes on. It is the battlefield where the blood is going to run for 200 miles up to the bridle of the horse. Isn't that amazing? I'm telling you, it's not going to be a battle. Now, there's going to be something amazing happen there, but there's not going to be much fight. Go to the book of Revelation chapter 19 with me. Y'all may not be tired, but I'm wore out right about now. Look here in chapter 19, verse 11. I like how chapter 19 begins after this. Man, I, after these things, actually. Look what he said in verse 11. I saw heaven open. I behold a white horse. Now, if I had time, I could take you and show you where the Antichrist has gathered great armies into that Armageddon area. He, he's got, he's got, he's waiting on war to wage against the Son of God. But boy, on that day, something's going to happen. Somebody's going to look, and it's going to come out of the east, I believe. They're going to see a light. Thank God. Listen, he's known as a, a morning star, but he's also known, what's the other one? The day star. And you know what? They're going to see that little speck of light. And when it gets closer, they're, glory to God, they're going to see the King of kings and the Lord of lords sitting on a white horse leading the armies of heaven dressed in white linen, clean and white. Guess who that is? We're looking at him. Y'all may think this is gross. I, I don't think I'll be that close up front. I'm not that important. But I'd like to be close enough to get a little bit of blood on me. Amen. That's right. Listen to this. Li listen to this. Y'all know what I'm giving y'all tonight. I'm giving y'all about three and a half years worth of Bible study. 
Sure am. And I saw heaven open. Behold, a white horse, and he that sat upon him was called faithful and true, and in righteousness doth he judge and make war. His eyes were as a flame of fire. His, on his head were many crowns. Back over in Revelation 6, he had one crown, that Antichrist, and he had a, new, a name written that no man knew but he himself. He was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood. His name is called the Word of God. The armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses, clothed in fine linen, white and clean. Out of his mouth goeth the sharp sword, that with it he should smite the nation. He shall rule them with a rod of iron. He treadeth the winepress, the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. And he hath on his vestures and on his thighs a name written, Hey, worship him, King of kings and Lord of lords. Not going to be any battle. <laughs> he's going to come, and with the power of his word, he's going to annihilate that whole army. Isn't that amazing? And that's the battle of Armageddon. And he listened to what he said. Any unsaved look, looking on or listening in, he said in Revelation 22, 7, 12, and 20, I believe it is, Behold, I come quickly. Behold, I come quickly. Surely I come quickly. Not meaning that he's going to come fast because 2,000 years has passed since he has left. But when he comes, these events are going to, with rapidity. Is that how you say that? Very rapidly. Let me put it that way. All right, we're getting there. Let me give you one more. Revelation 20. This is the second and last battle of Gog and Magog. I don't know why God chose to call them this. I have no idea. But this happens at the end, the end of the millennial reign of Christ. You say, what's a millennial reign, preacher? Well, it is a thousand-year milli, meaning 1,000, annum, meaning years, millennial, two words made one. It is when Jesus Christ, according to the in order to fulfill the covenant that God made with David in 2 Samuel chapter 7, where he said, you'll never lack a man to set upon your throne. He's going to come back at the end of the tribulation, and he's going to set up his kingdom, and he's going to rule on planet earth for 1,000 years. By the way, church, that's where we're going to honeymoon. That's exactly right. After we go to the marriage supper of the Lamb, chapter 19 of the book of Revelation, how many of y'all like riding horses? I will then. My back will be healed, so it won't bother me. It kind of hurts me just think about it right now. But I'll have a new body then. Amen. Amen. You ever wonder what your horse will be called? <laughs> I think of silly things, you hear me? Anyway, look at this. Chapter 20 of the book of Revelation, verse 7 and following. And when the thousand years are expired, Satan shall be loosed out of his prison. At the end of the tribulation, the beginning of the millennial reign of Christ, Satan is going to be cast where the beast and the false prophet are. Be the first two inhabitants of that, that lake of fire. Satan himself will be the third. If you want to read about that, turn to the book of Isaiah chapter 14 and read some about that. Well, look on him, the Bible says narrowly. And, and when he's cast down and he's lost his power and his pomp, they'll say, are you the man? You ought to read that. That's pretty amazing. But listen now. And he said, and uh, Satan shall be loosed out of his prison. He shall go out to deceive the nations which are in the four corners, cor quarters of the earth. Gog and Magog gathered them together to battle the number of them as the sand of the sea. Now listen. What does people say today is the cause of man's problems? Social injustice. Am I right? I mean, how many of you heard that? Social injustice. Racism. You know what? Every excuse that man has made in the millennial, God's going to take it away. For a thousand years, righteousness will reign on planet earth. Jesus will rule with the rod of iron. There will be sin. There will be death. But there will be swift and just judgment. But listen to me. This is amazing. 
even in the presence of Jesus, and even in the presence of us who are back there with Jesus. It's going to be a strange time when heaven and earth is going to cohabitate like this. But I know what the Word of God says, and it's going to happen, even though I can't explain it. Can I tell you what? It's going to prove how corrupt and how fallen the heart of man is. You see, the problem is not civil injustice. Civil injustice is a result of the problem of man's heart. And Jeremiah nailed it when he said the heart of man is, is, is wicked and is, yeah, is, is, is wicked. What's the first word? Deceitful. Thank you. I have trouble remembering. It's deceitful and desperately wicked. I mean, it's a bad thing. And it'll prove. Can you imagine Jesus being here? Jesus being seeable, probably even touchable, and men still rejecting him. Hey, look, folks, we're a bunch of we're a bunch of fallen people. You hear me? I mean, sin, sin is taking its effect on us in a mighty way. You know what's going to happen? And they went up on the breadth of the earth and passed uh, the camp of the saints about the beloved city. And I like this. And fire came down from God out of heaven and devoured them. Immediately after that, the great white throne judgment. Immediately after that, John said, I saw the new city, Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven. And don't think that it's going to come on planet Earth. I don't believe it is. I believe it's going to be stopped up here. It's going to be a satellite city. I believe people have access to it. But nowhere does the Bible tell me that it's going to come and find itself on planet There's going to be two Jerusalems. There's going to be a Jerusalem in Jerusalem. And there's going to be a new Jerusalem. It's my opinion. It could be wrong. All right, now where do I go now? Y'all give me another 15 minutes? Okay. I'm going to go through this so quick. It'll make your head spin. I told you about the wars of Israel. Now I'm going to tell you about our wars. Folks, we're in a war. We're in a spiritual warfare. I mean to tell you, it is raging. You, raging. you remember back over there without turning, and I could. I've got some, some, some insight that kind of surprised me on, on, on Matthew 24, verse, verse uh, 6 and 7. You remember I said wars and rumors of war. That's what we've been dealing with. But he goes on to say nation shall rise against nation. That word nation in the, in the Greek is ethnic. Do you all know that in nations there are different groups that belong to the same group and, and, and that, that, that is ethnic? Do you all understand that? Do you all know it's kind of like we're having a, never heard this before, God laid it on my heart this morning, it's kind of like we're having a spiritual civil war. Okay, and I'm just going to list some things. You can agree or you dis, you, you, hey, hey, look, can, do, do you remember, friend, do, do you, hey, look, there's fight, internal fighting everywhere, is there not? Everywhere you look, people disagree. They, 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 they're, they're separated and divided. Never seen a time like it. But I remember a day. You know what? I remember a day when, when God's word was revered. It was honored. It was believed. It was respected. It was taken as authoritative by the majority of Americans. But now it seems that, uh, that no longer God's, it's no longer God's place to decide or determine what constitutes His Word, but it's, God, it's man's power to choose what pleases Him. I'm going to tell you the truth, friend. The reason, I think, the biggest reason we're in the mess that we're in in America is because we've abandoned the King James Bible. I hear preachers nowadays stand full of it and says, open your copy of the Word of God. Let it be known. When I say open the Word of God, it'll be a reference to the King James Bible. Make no apologies of that. I could preach an hour on, on my convictions about the King James Bible. I don't believe it's a matter of salvation to people. I won't go that far. But I'll tell you what, it's a matter of fellowship to me with people. You hear me? I'm telling you, look, our nation once trembled at the Word of God like they did in Ezra chapter 9, verse 4. And now it scoffs at it. It ridicules it and laughs at its precepts and principles. They talk about the King James like it's so old and tired. This book's got more power in it than I've ever been able to see. It's alive and well, and it's definitely not tired. 
I, like I told you this morning, I believe our woke nation ought to go back to sleep. We're deeply divided in every area, just like the political arena in our world today. We're so different, we can't hardly get along with any of another person on the other side of the aisle. I don't know how our government runs nowadays. But let me tell you what we're actually at war on, and I'm going to do it quick. We're at war on the right to life. When it begins, we're divided on that. I like what God told Jeremiah. I knew you when you were in your mother's womb, and I chose you. You're here, around here. Y'all help me on this. We believe, we believe that life begins at conception. Done with it. See, we're Bible people. We don't, we don't trust in science. Say amen. But let me tell you, true science and the Word of God never separates and differs. We're divided on creation. Confused about evolution, which affects a multitude of topics, but one that uh, rises above all others in my mind, does God exist or not? Let it be known. I believe that in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. I don't want you to mistake what I said. I said God created. It's about stupid to believe that this earth and these bodies and all the order that's in the solar system evolved by accident. There had to be a divine designer with great wisdom and knowledge, and there is. He's the Almighty. He's the great I am that I am. He's Jehovah God. Manifest flesh. By his name, Jesus, who was God in the body. The fullness of the Godhead manifest bodily. We're even messed up on parental rights. Let every court in America know that it's not their responsibility to raise my child or my grandchildren. It's mine and my privilege, and we're going to do as good as we can with it. Bible says train up a child. The Bible says nurture them. That's right. The Bible said nurture them. And you know what? Do y'all know why the state doesn't want us to raise our children? Because they know if we get a chance, they don't steal them away from us. We'll teach them about God. Now that's it. They're going crazy in the courts out in California. Do y'all know there's laws, and I can't remember the number of states right now that's passed and said that, that a school cannot divulge to the parents that their children want to be called by some pronoun? Man, if that ever happened to me, I'd bust the doors down on the school and also the Board of Education. Now, see, I'm fired up right now out of my mind over that. That's one of the stupidest things ever heard of in my life. Who gave them that power? It's exactly right, Tim. Amen. I may do a mess with it, but I'm going to have the privilege of... We're, 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 we're so divided on gender issues. Now, now, look, let me be plain and let me be kind. This really isn't hard to figure out. Now, when you get to the point that you are messed up on something that only has two choices, folks, you're in big trouble. Now, now think what I'm telling you. Think about my logic. In the beginning, God created he, him, she, them, they, there, those that know. Word of God doesn't say that. The Word of God says He created He them, male and female. Now, they won't go to science on this one. They won't try to say, science proves it. They won't turn to that. But I can turn to the Word of God. When they were asking Jesus about divorce and marriage and remarriage, he said in the book of Matthew 19 and 4, somewhere through there, I found, if, if I find it, y'all read it, you can find it too. In the beginning, God created him male and female. I can get that. 
Man, we're messed up, folks. We are so fallen. And I say this, I say this sternly, whatever, but I am broken over that. You think about these little kids that even their parents are involved in messing them up. You think about parents that would take kids to watch a gay parade day. You think about parents would take their kids to a gay pagan day. You think of that. Take them to drag queen shows. We've got now, we've got people wanting to do it in, in the elementary schools. I mean, the libraries is taken up promoting drag queen stuff out of hell. Buddy, we're in a mess, folks. And they're, they're not backwards about it. They're bold. They're brazen about all of this. We're in a war. Do you agree with that? Say amen. We're, we're in a war over sin. In man's eyes, there's nothing that is sinful. You see, if they don't like truth that I espouse because they don't agree with it, then guess what? To them, it's not true. If I speak truth to you that you think is truth, then you embrace it. But when I speak to you a truth that is true and you just don't like it, it doesn't fit with your lifestyle or your desires. People reject it nowadays. It's amazing. And can I tell you where I think that started? When we abandoned this standard, began to mess with the Word of God, began to write new versions. Do y'all know this is a King James Version? Everybody knows that? Say amen. Do y'all know there's a Queen James Version? Can y'all imagine what that does? Man, I'm telling you folks, we're in a mess and it's getting messier all the time that, that we hear. But let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. God declares that there's sin and all I've got to say to the people of the world that doesn't believe there is, be sure your sins will find you out. We're divided in church. Isn't that amazing? I never thought in all of my born days, and I've not lived that long. I'm not as old as some of you all, but I'm older than I've ever been. I'm 70 years of age, and I remember back, maybe it's been, maybe it's been a dozen years ago. I know it's been over a decade. It's probably been maybe two decades now when I was first introduced to this concept. A man-centered church. I thought, well, Lord, what's that? And then I heard the other side of it. Its opposite side is a Christ-centered church. Do you know why I've never had to think about that before? Because I never thought about the church being anything but Christ-centered. But nowadays, all these mega churches, these prosperity gospel churches, it's not about coming together to worship God, but it's coming together to see how good you are and all of that good stuff that's already in you, how we can bring it out, and that you can be the best you that you can be. Isn't that right? Is that, is that a good summarization, Josh? Joe Osteen-type churches, you get it? Stephen Furtick, Joyce Myers. I'm not afraid of calling them out. Benny Hinn. Uh, Copeland, Kenneth Copeland. A lot of people are not sure that he's not possessed with the devil. Or a demon. Hey, I'm, we are in such a mess. Now you say, preacher, are you meddling? Well, if I am, I got a license. I got it, I got it at home. I can bring it show to you sometime. In the book of Revelation 3 and 20, in the Laodicean church age, and that's where we're at, we see Jesus standing on the outside of the church, knocking at the door to get in. Who would have ever, that's the saddest, my opinion, picture that I see of anything in the Word of God. Jesus, Jesus died for the church, shed His blood for the church, and there we find Him in the last phase of the church age on planet Earth, standing on the outside. You say, well, who's replaced Him? Preacher, man has. Are y'all still with me? All right, I'm almost done. Everybody's happy about that? Say amen. Y'all didn't say it very loud. I'm glad. No, I'm not going to give you a second chance. We're confused about the way to heaven. But there's only one. Jesus said, John 14, 6, I am the way. Luke records in Acts 4, 12. 
There's no other name given under heaven among men whereby we must be saved. And that's the name of Jesus. John 10, 10, just to give you three, Jesus said, I am the door, not a door. You don't get there through Muhammad. You don't get there through Buddha. You don't get there through Zoroastrianism or yin and yang or any other great religions of the world. You go through Jesus, you don't go at all. It is an exclusive way, but it's inclusive to whosoever will. So what do we do, preacher? I preached all of that to give you these four points. Listen, it's an exciting time. We can endure what we cannot enjoy, and we can even prosper. So here, here's what we are to do. Number one, I'm going to give them to you quick. This is so important. Remember, God is sovereign. Say that with me. God is sovereign. Now let that sink in. You know what that means? That means he's in control. That means that he knows. That means he knows the end from the beginning. He's got a plan. It includes me. He's not only got this, but he's got me and you during this. He's already defeated Satan. He's already defeated death, hell, and the grave. God is ruling and reigning. It looks like things are out of control. I say that. We're in a mess, but really, God's got it under control. You read Daniel 4 tonight, you'll sleep good. You read Isaiah 40 and 22. The Bible said he sitteth upon the circle of the earth. He's in control. Number two, we need to rely totally on God's eternal word. This is our only, everybody heard me say only, say amen. This is our only rule of faith and practice. I gave a Bible this morning to Brandon. And I said, believe it to be saved, read it to be wise, live it to be holy. This is our only hope. This is it. This word. You know what's in it? God's promises, God's principles, God's precepts whereby we are to live, and the power of God is all over it from beginning to end. We need to study it. We need to rightly divide it. We need to learn it, and we need to live it. Number three, and this is the final one. I thought I had four. Request God's graces in prayer. Folks, if there's ever a time that we become prayer warriors, it ought to be in this day and hour. Request God's graces in prayer. You know one of the greatest verses, I think, that, that, that deals with prayer is simply found in the book of James. Can't remember the chapter and the verse. He said, you have not because... Okay, so let's ask. Let's ask for things beyond our limits. We're talking to a God that's got all power. We're talking to an almighty God. We're talking about the one and only God. So let's ask him to do great things. And here's some things I believe that we could pray about. We, we, we ought to avail ourselves much in prayer. We ought to pray for his presence to be known and felt and manifest among us. How many of y'all think God manifests himself here at Roxalana? Say amen. That's what makes our church different and special, a lot of churches. We're not a dead church, y'all know that. When Mike Long was preaching Tuesday night on churches with no power, he's not talking about Roxalana. Y'all do know that, don't you? We got some fire in this place. Every preacher comes in this place. Y'all know what they say about this pulpit? Man, there's a lot of liberty there. Man, I felt good. And that doesn't happen by accident. Y'all hear me? Okay. We need to pray for His power to protect and enable us to endure, even to enjoy and to stand, to be faithful all the way to the end. We need to pray for power. And I'm talking about Holy Ghost power, Holy Spirit power. Holy Ghost, Holy Spirit, one and the same entity. There's a trinity in heaven, not a quartet. Holy Ghost, Holy Spirit, one and the same. Okay, one and the same. And finally... We need to pray for His promises to be fulfilled, to be showered and poured upon us until the day the battle's end and He's come for us. Folks, I don't believe it's long. I'm, I'm telling you, I'm amazed we're still here. And the reason we are, there's a work to be done. Let's stay faithful. Let's stay focused. Let's stay trusting in the Lord. Let's lean upon Him and lean on Him hard in these last days. I don't know how bad it's going to get. 
I don't know what we in America that name the name of Christ will have to face and suffer in the days that are ahead. But whether you know it or not, there's a martyr crown. I don't think many of us maybe seek it, but in the first, up to the third century of A.D., they went to the cross burning and singing. Isn't that amazing? Every head bowed. Father, I just thank you tonight for the word of God, how rich and how deep and wide. Lordy mercy. I remember the first time reading about Ezekiel talking about that river and him being invited with the Spirit of God to wade out in it. He waded up to his ankles and then to his knees and then to his loins and he looked out and said, man, it's a river that I can't cross. I believe that was a picture of the Word of God, how deep and wide it is. But Lord, you did something amazing on the day of Pentecost. You sent the Spirit to abide in the hearts and the lives of every man, woman, boy, or girl that would trust you as their Savior. You told us that when he come, he would guide us into all truth. He would enlighten us to the truths of the Scripture. He'd make them real. And I'm thankful for that. Lord, I know 